This episode of Rule Breaker Investing is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage process into the 21st century with a fast, easy, and completely online process. Check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com slash fool. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. And welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. This show is being taped on Thursday, May 26th. So, if something really important has happened in the markets of the world in the succeeding five or six days, and you don't hear me make any reference, you'll understand why. Why are we taping this six days ahead of time? Well, my eldest is graduating from college, and so that's a watershed moment for her and also for her parents and family. We will certainly be there, and that will be over the course of when I normally would have done Rule Breaker Investing. So, congratulations to her. This week, we're going to tell some stories. Well, I guess I'm going to tell some stories, but we're all going to gather around the campfire, because this is maybe the first of an occasional series, which I'll just call our campfire stories. Um, I've got five five stories lined up this week. These are just stories that I've heard. Sometimes I've participated in them. At least one of them isn't probably even true. They're stories. Um, I will credit where I heard the story if it comes from somebody else. But as you can probably tell, it's not so much about the facts or the stocks this week. It's about the truth that lies in poetry. Stories are a wonderful way to learn and to learn in a way that's memorable to us. We tend to remember stories a lot better, at least in my case anyway, than facts. Um, So, without further ado, let's kick it off with campfire story number one this week. And this is a story of the last time that I was on CNBC. So, the last time that I was on CNBC, which was a few years ago, I used to go on CNBC a lot in the first 10 years of The Motley Fool. Um, and I appreciate that CNBC exists. Let me just say, I think it's great that the stock markets get coverage and that it's worthy of a cable channel's focus, sometimes more than one cable channel, that the world cares enough about the movements of individual companies in our stock markets and exchanges to the point that it's worth covering minute to minute. Now, covering minute to minute is a little bit where I'm headed with this story. And I know if you're a longtime Motley Fool rule breaker or Rule Breaker Investing podcast listener, you probably can sense where I'm headed a little bit with this. But uh, the last time I was on CNBC, so it was an early morning hour, and I was, quote, co hosting, end quote, with um, the host. In this case, is this politically correct anymore? Hostess? I think that's okay to say. The hostess at the time, I don't remember her name. She was very good. She was one of the faces of CNBC, or at least was a few years ago. I literally don't think I've watched CNBC since then. But we went into a commercial break, and she said, So, you still like cloud computing stocks after yesterday? She said that quite seriously, even a little bit earnestly. Maybe concerned for me that I would still like cloud computing after the stocks had sold off the day before. So, yeah, one of the companies, we'll just make up um, Rackspace had sold off 7 or 8% on bad earnings and the whole sector for one day lost 5 to 10% of its value and that was the question do i still like these stocks after yesterday i think the story i don't think i have to double underline the moral of the story but there is great value simply looking beyond the here and now the minute to minute 
what happened yesterday, what will happen tomorrow. There's great value in just thinking in three-year increments and asking yourself, where is the world headed, and is my money tied to it? So much of the coverage of the markets, unfortunately, is so incredibly short-term that some of the people who oversee, on our behalf, the markets, the media personalities who are looking at where stocks are headed, it's amazing to me where their minds are and what their mentality is. It's understandable. If you're hosting a show every single day, you're all about the daily. I will say this, though. One of the reasons I really love Market Foolery, one of our other podcasts, I love all five of our podcasts, but is that it is a daily show, but it doesn't make it all about what just happened today. I think it's foolish. It's a little bit long-term in a world that is so often afflicted by short-termism. Campfire story number one. Campfire story number two comes to me from Randy Nelson. Randy Nelson was in a previous life um, the head of Pixar's university, Pixar U. Randy Nelson today is the head of is the director of Apple University, so that might even be moving up in the world, at least in terms of overall market cap. But back in the day, he started an internal university at Pixar, which is a pretty crazy thing when you think about it. The idea that a portion of your time at work in a given day or week might be to attend a class, and that class might not even have anything to do with your job. There might be a macrame class, or how to throw a frisbee class, or how to read a balance sheet class. And part of the aftermath of this story, which I won't go into, is that The Motley Fool was at the time starting a university, and have we've had a lot of internal learning ever since. So Randy Nelson came to The Motley Fool to speak uh, as the head of Pixar's university. And he told the story of how Pixar thinks about movies versus how Disney at the time thought about movies. And this story might be slightly apocryphal, but is mostly true. And because Randy's telling it about somebody else, and I'm about to tell it from Randy. So here we go. Randy's talking about Ed Catmull, who at the time, well, he was one of the founders of Pixar. Uh, he is currently the president of Pixar Animation Studios and also now. Ironically, for this story, Walt Disney Animation Studios as well. But Ed Catmull was at a bar, the story goes, and a Disney executive was at the bar with him. And they were talking about their respective views of making movies. And so the Disney guy says, You know, for us, it's all about the big idea. And at the time, Disney, which was coming off of the successes of movies like Lion King, but that had been some years before. And Disney animation wasn't doing so well. Pixar animation was disrupting Disney animation. So the Disney guys, like, you know, admittedly, we're a little starved for ideas right now. You know, Hollywood's all about this meets this, and you combine those two things and you got a new idea, a big idea. And that's how Disney at the time was thinking about movies. And Ed Catmull said, you know, I couldn't disagree more with you. Ed said, at Pixar, it's not at all about the big idea. At Pixar, it's about the people. Because after all, what is a movie? A movie is 10,000 different ideas. Every single line of dialogue, every character, every camera angle is an individual idea, a decision that's being made. And so at the time, Pixar said, that's why we invest so much in our people. Because if you get your people right, they will make the decisions, come up with the ideas, 
all of which need to conspire together to work its their way into being a very successful movie. And Pixar, highly distinguished, as we all know, as the studio that almost never blows it. And that's why Pixar started a university. Because if you're going to make your people the number one asset of your business, you darn well better be supporting them, challenging them, and helping them grow, yes, right even within your hallowed halls of corporate. And so, I was inspired. I know we at The Motley Fool were inspired by that story, and by Pixar's decision to start its own university. And we've done that at The Fool as well. And now I see some other companies have, too. Sounds like Apple University. Hey there, Randy Nelson. Sounds like Apple University is happening too. So, Campfire Story number two is simply about the importance of investing in whatever your greatest asset is. And increasingly, more and more businesses are recognizing that truly their greatest asset is their employee base. Ironically, Warren Buffett used to say the kinds of stocks that he doesn't want to invest in are the ones where the most valuable assets walk out the door every night at 5 p.m. Ironically. But um, for us, we can't help being that kind of business at The Motley Fool, and I've done pretty well investing in other businesses like that, Pixar, of course, and Disney today being one of them. By the way, a quick preview of next week. Next week, we'll go back to Greatest Quotes. Uh, We're going to have Greatest Quotes Volume 3. It's going to be an all-Buffett edition. So, as I mentioned, Warren, this week, I want to highlight my all-Buffett, all-the-time Great Quotes edition coming on Rule Breaker Investing next week. All right, and before Campfire Story number three, this episode of Rule Breaker Investing is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. If you've ever bought a home, then you already know how frustrating and time consuming getting a mortgage can be. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage approval process into the 21st century by taking all the complicated, time consuming parts of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. With Rocket Mortgage, you can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button, helping you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your unique financial situation. Even better with Rocket Mortgage, you can do all this on your phone or tablet. So, if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home, check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com slash fool. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. All right, I mentioned that at least one of these stories may well not be true, and I'm pretty sure this one never happened, but I hope you'll appreciate the truth of it. Um, Apparently, at one point in the 20th century, this psychological study was conducted with the following interesting outcome. This, by the way, is my five monkeys story. I've occasionally told this one around Fool HQ, or if you've ever seen me give a speech, you might well have heard me tell the story of the five monkeys. So, start with a cage containing five monkeys. In the cage, hang a banana on a string and put a set of stairs under it. Before long, a monkey will go to the stairs and start to climb toward the banana. As soon as he touches the stairs, spray all of the monkeys with cold water. Monkeys, by the way, really don't like cold water. After a while, another monkey makes an attempt with the same result. All the monkeys are sprayed with cold water. Pretty soon, when another monkey tries to climb the stairs, the other monkeys will try to prevent it. Now, for our experiment here, you're going to turn off the cold water. We're done with that. 
Further, we're going to remove one monkey from the cage and replace it with a new one. The new monkey, of course, sees the banana, wants to climb the stairs. To his horror, all of the other monkeys attack him. After another attempt and attack, he knows that if he tries to climb the stairs, he will be assaulted. Next, remove another of the original five monkeys and replace it with a new one. The newcomer goes to the stairs and is attacked. The previous newcomer takes part in the punishment with enthusiasm. Okay, now again, replace a third original monkey with a new one. The new one makes it to the stairs and is attacked as well. Two of the four monkeys that beat him have no idea why they were not permitted to climb the stairs or why they are participating in the beating of the newest monkey. After replacing the fourth and fifth original monkeys, all the monkeys which have been sprayed with cold water have been replaced. Nevertheless, no monkey ever again approaches the stairs. And why not? Well, I think the punchline is because that's the way it's always done around here. Dear fellow fool, whoever you are, wherever you are, I trust at some point in your life you've probably heard that line. That's the way it's always done around here. I've even heard it said sometimes that's said around Fool HQ. And when it's said for good reasons, that's, that's great. That's the way it's always done around here. That's what culture is. That's what institutions feed off of. In the best in the best sense, but when it's said in a negative light, I think of the five monkeys and how we need to get out of our cage. We need to get outside of the very prescribed situation in which that's occurred, and we need to recognize there's time for some fresh thinking. And in particular, this can happen in institutions where probably they've gotten away from the original mission purpose of the institution, and things have become too process-oriented or rote. And that's when it's time to shake things up, and that's why I like Rule Breaker investing. So, this is obviously the opposite mentality of the Rule Breakers. In fact, it is this mentality, that's the way things are always done around here, that gives rise to the value of Rule Breakers, that gives rise to revolutions and disruption. And that's why we as investors appreciate this and look to take advantage of it when it starts happening. But in our own lives and in our own contexts, try to avoid the monkeys. By the way, I'm reminded in particular of the book The Loyalty Effect by Fred Reicheld, where he just talks about the beauty of lots of years of tenure. Everything from your employees, if you're a company or organization, you'd love them to be around a long time. Your customers, whoever you're serving, you want to serve them for a long time. Equally true of your partners and suppliers. And how about your shareholders, if you're a for-profit public company? You want them to be around a long time. And when you can add up lots and lots of years around any organization, that is a strong organization. But the one downside or danger is that that organization can start falling into, that's the way things are always done around here. But when you keep it going in the best sense of the term, what you're really doing is you're building a culture, a culture that's self-perpetuating, that is strong and supple, that is positive, and that people can instinctively understand uh, from outside the organization. And when they come to work for that organization, they start understanding ahead of time what makes, let's say, Pixar or let's say The Motley Fool different. Campfire story number four.
This is just the story of business as I see it, comparing it to evolution. Now, I know we have a lot of scientists who listen to Rule Breaker Investing and Motley Fool Podcasts. Unfortunately, I'm not one of you. I wish I were. But I do, as a liberal arts person, as a humanities person, I do love to pull tropes, conceits, concepts from other fields and bring them into my field of investing, or business in this case. And I've really always appreciated what I remember from my schoolboy studies of evolution. So let me just tell the story briefly of business as evolution. So every good business, let's say, will start with a product or a service. And what it's doing is it is competing against the other businesses that offer the other species that have products or services that are trying to serve that same purpose. And so you are naturally in competition. Now, what's going to end up happening is natural selection, an important term in evolutionary biology, and a very important term that I like to borrow for business. Because what's really happening is, customers are naturally selecting this one, not that one. They're selecting, these days, online retail more so than offline retail. And so, what happens through natural selection is that certain species end up thriving and succeeding. And when they do, they're able to pass their genes on to the next generation of businesses and species, if you will. So, natural selection is happening every day out there in the world. It's not just out in nature. It's happening very much so in business. And the ability to pass your genes on to the next generation is very specifically coded to your ability to thrive and survive. Now, something else is really important in evolutionary biology. It happens in business as well. And that is, changes in environmental conditions happen. Sometimes randomly, sometimes sporadically, sometimes dynamically, sometimes not for a long time. But changes in exterior conditions occur. And all of a sudden, certain businesses will be favored by that or not. And so, if planet Earth goes into an ice age, all of a sudden, the creatures that can survive and thrive at much colder temperatures are the ones that are still around. And those that aren't, like failed businesses, bankruptcies, and industries, whole industries sometimes that just couldn't transition, are gone. And sometimes it's by no fault of the companies that are gone that that happened. After all, they didn't know an ice age was about to hit. So, when I think about some of the big trends of our time, whether it's um, we've been talking about them in our Supernova 2026 Summit all May, all May long here. Things like artificial intelligence, or eSports, or which businesses have communities, next-gen user communities tied to them, and which have failed to attract communities. These are the ways that I think about exterior conditions coming in and changing the business world at large. And so, to me, it's all of a piece. Biological evolution, and business evolution, the concepts map, and I hope that's helpful sometimes as you think about, maybe with a little bit of systems thinking, where a given company, industry, or the world at large is headed. And campfire story number five to close it out for our first edition of Rule Breaker Investing Campfire Stories. This one came to me. I said I'd credit where my stories came from. I mentioned Randy Nelson earlier. This one came from the Reverend John Smoot at the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia. I heard this in a sermon about 15 years ago or so. It's a psychological study, and I really like the point it makes. So here's the experiment a psychologist sits down with you and rapidly shows you six playing cards from a traditional 52 card deck, rapidly shows it to you so fast that you can't really remember them all. 
So the psychologist slows it down for you. Still, zip, 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 zip. And you can remember most of them. And in the study, they'll do it a little bit slower than that, so a few times. And often, that last one, people just can't remember. And you might think that the last one is hard to remember just because it's the last one, and you're already trying to memorize the other five. But then again, with recency bias, a lot of us are pretty good at retaining the last thing in a series. So why is it that the person being studied has such a hard time with that sixth and final playing card? And here's the reason. Because that last one is a six of spades, but it's red. It's not black. It's a red six of spades. So the reason that works is because with an otherwise standard 52-card deck where we feel comfortable and we understand what's being shown to us, if you tweak it out just ever so slightly, it makes it harder with human cognition to process that, retain it, and understand it. And here again is why I think the rule breaker mentality and rule breaker investing works. In fact, I remember John Smoot went on to say in that sermon, you know, maybe that's like life. Maybe maybe life is all about your six of spades being red. Maybe maybe every card in your deck is a wild card. Some of us face situations like that. Or maybe or maybe there are greens and blues in your deck, not just reds and blacks. Something to think on. Thank you for listening to this edition of Rule Breaker Investing. Again, I'll be back next week with Great Quotes Volume 3, the All Buffett Edition. In the meantime, whether you're graduating or whether you're not, full on. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.